You know, it's been a while back that we started this journey through the book of Ephesians um, and, and began a series called Walking Worthy of Your Call. Um, Kevin started it uh, as best I can remember somewhere in January, maybe December. I think December. And then January, um, and then I started in February, and he covered four chapters in the same time it took me to cover two. Um, because I thought of this week, this just hit me this week, that when he started all this, he made the point to say we're not going to get in-depth detail on any subject that we come across. We're just going to try to hit the high spots and preach through Ephesians. Well, I forgot that until this week. <laughs> because I get to the whole armor of God and I look at it and go, the whole armor of God is a series in and of itself. You can, you can make a series out of the whole armor of God alone. But that's not what our goal is. So I've kind of backed off and, and we are going to talk about the whole armor of God this morning, but not in depth and not going to break down each piece and not going to go over each piece of, of the whole armor of God. Um, for those of you that will be looking at the clock at quitting time, I pray that you look at the clock at starting time. Y'all know who you are. You're already talking about what time you're getting out of here. You need to look at what time we're getting started. Amen? Alright, I'm just, I'm just being real with you. Just, just keeping it real. Just let you understand where we are. Let's all get on the same page kind of thing. I will tell you that last week I shared a story with you about years ago and being at work and taking a hammer and smashing my hand. Y'all remember that story? And all the blood and the gore that went with it and the glove full of blood and thought I lost my finger and whatever. Much to my surprise, Monday afternoon, I was at work and I was knocking a bearing race out of a wheel on a log trailer. And I had out my big punch and I had out my big hammer. And as I hit a time or two, I thought, you know, this is the story I told yesterday about, about missing the punch and hitting. And about the third lick, I mean, the bearing was tight, so you got a rare back, right? And I have my 48-ounce Blue Point ball-peen hammer. I mean, the big daddy. Whap! Right in the wrist. Didn't even hit the punch, didn't glance off, didn't, I mean, I missed. I just straight missed and wailed my wrist. And I dropped everything and stood there going, okay, God, evidently I didn't learn the first time. So whatever you're trying to teach me through me whooping on myself, would you please show it to me? Because I'm tired of whooping on myself. And I looked down and my wrist is all swollen up and I got this big knot and it's a little bit of blood and it's broke the skin. And my co-worker is standing there and he said, are you all right? And I said, I don't know. I really don't know. I said, I think I have broke my wrist. I really think I have. And he said, do we need to get it looked at? And I said, well, I looked at it and it's still there. So, I, you know, I think we ought to just keep working. So anyway, just to, after that, I hit my, uh, that's on the same project, I ended up with a smashed thumbnail and I, I knocked the hide off of a knuckle and, and thought I broke my wrist on, on one project Monday. So my work stories are no more. Because <laughs> if they're going to repeat after I tell them, I'm done. <laughs> I'll have to tell your stories and you can go repeat. You know what I mean? Today we move on to, in, in, in headings and titles for your Bible, it probably says the whole armor of God. And we started in Ephesians with, with uh, Paul telling us what it looks like and then telling us how to apply. This is wrap up. And this scripture starts with the word, therefore. No, it doesn't. It starts with the word, finally. Therefore is later on. Finally. Finally. So Paul has went through all this we've went through, through almost six chapters of Ephesians. Remember, this is one continuous letter that he's writing to the same group of people. And we get to chapter 6, I mean to the uh, middle of chapter 6, verse 10, and he says, finally. Now we just got through talking about husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, children, 
uh, uh, bosses and, and employees, right? Bond servants and servants. And now he says, finally. And finally means, and the rest. Now that you know all of that, now that you have all of that information, now you need to know this. So what we're going to learn, because if you go back and look at all that we've done, if you've taken notes over this whole series, and you look at all the things we've talked about, you can honestly look at them and go, I don't think I can. And you're right. You can't. I, you can go back and look at husbands and wives and what they're supposed to do and look at it and go, I don't think I can. And you're right. Neither can I. But Paul's going to give us the key to what makes it possible this morning. How is it possible to walk worthy of my call? This is the key to that. How is it possible for me to walk worthy of my calling as a husband, as a father? This is the key to that. This is what unlocks it. This is what makes it possible. And if you take this out of it, none of the rest of it's possible. Today is the sum up. Today is the finally, the rest of the story. Now, in order to fulfill that, you need to know this kind of thing. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, in all circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, we humble ourselves before you to say thank you for the opportunity to be in your word this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be speaking your word out to this crowd this morning. And I just pray that you keep us attentive to your desires, what you would have us to learn, Father, that it may grow us closer to the image of your glory that you desire for us to be. Father, again, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that your presence be felt throughout our service this morning. I pray, Father, that each one of us would be mindful of one thing, and that's your desire. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had a, uh, you know, you always get, well, not always, but a lot of times, most of the time, you get little comments here and there from different people about what you've preached about or spoke about or what the sermon was or whatever. And, and I've had a lot of positive feedback over the last few weeks. And then um, Saturday, one of my really, really dear friends um, came to me and, and, and she said, um, I, you know, you preached uh, uh, last week about... Uh, Children, obey your parents a couple of weeks ago. And I said, yeah. And she said, um, I, I don't like the rod. My, my, my dear friend I'm talking about is about this tall. And, and I said, I said, Carissa, you ain't supposed to like the rod. That tells me your mom and dad understand the purpose of the rod because you're friends of the rod. That means they ain't using the rod, right? You, you ain't supposed to like the rod. It's not for you to like, but it's to grow you and, and be your instruction. 
This morning, I want to I throw out there as a blanket statement, I really need you to pay attention to me this morning and hear what this word says this morning because, again, we're not going to get into every piece, individual piece of the whole armor of God, but this is going to be the key that unlocks and makes it possible for children obey your parents. It's going to make it possible for, for wives submit to your husbands. It's going to make it possible for husbands to love your wives as Christ loves the church. Because separate from God, all of these things you've been instructed in are impossible. You don't have it in you separate from Christ to do it. There's only one source of these things, and that's the creator of all things. And if you're not connected to that source, I can tell you, you can't. Point, you can't. As good as you think you are, you can't. He says, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Not be strong in yourself. Not, not, not you rely on the strength you have to make it happen. Be strong in the Lord. You have to have a connection here in order for any of this to be possible. And without that connection, it's not possible in you to be who God's called you to be. Separated from God, you can't walk worthy of nothing, <laughs> much less a call from God. It's not possible. You can't do it. There's so many people that don't understand the two main things that God desires from us is obedience and dependence. If you can be obedient to God, you will fulfill everything else. If you will be dependent on God, it makes your obedience possible. Because in and of yourself, you can't. Listen, it goes back to what Kevin said this morning before they sang that song. If we strip away everything else, Jesus is enough. No matter where I'm at, no matter my environment, no matter my circumstances, no matter what's happening to me, no matter my sufferings, no matter what, Christ is enough. And if Christ is not enough, my focus is not in the right place. He has to be enough. We shouldn't have to powder coat it and sugar coat it and wrap it up in special things and make it comfortable for you. You can't take the gospel and wrap it and twist it and apply it and, and make it fit your life. You have to make your life fit the gospel. The gospel ain't about you. Nowhere in God's gospel, nowhere in this book does He promise you happiness. Nowhere. It's not there. It don't exist. Happiness is not a guarantee. And if you pursue happiness, you'll wake up and go, how did I get here? You was chasing after something you can't catch. It don't exist. Oh, it's temporary. There's things that will temporarily make it possible for you to be happy. But they're temporary. It's only for a time. And you'll get tired chasing that garbage. But if you'll pursue holiness, if you'll get your focus in the right place, you'll stumble over happiness. You'll wake up one day and go, Whoo, how did I get up feeling this good? Well, because you're pursuing the right thing and your focus is in the right place and you have a direct line to the, to the Creator of all things that can supply more than enough strength for you to endure whatever you're doing. He, we have completely changed the way that we do, not completely, but we've completely changed the first step of how we do marriage counseling. Whether it's a, a great marriage or a struggling marriage or a barely hanging on or a just getting started, it don't matter. The first step is to get individuals focused on Christ. There ain't no thing in this world I can say to change any one of you. There's no exercise I can give you that's going to change you. The only thing that will change you is your Creator. And if you have a direct line of sight to Him and a direct focus to your Creator and your spouse has that same thing, we can do anything. But if, neither, if one or neither of you have this, this ain't going to work anyway. What difference does it make? And if it does work, who gives a rip? It wasn't done in God. Right? It wasn't Him in the center of it. Right? So what does it amount to? Zero. You've got to be focused here for anything in your life to work, for any relationship you have, for anything that God has called you to do. The only way you can do that is focus on God. You've got to have your focus right. Listen, in the strength 
be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might, not yours. It's not in you to do it. You ain't capable. You ain't smart enough. You ain't slick enough. You ain't rich enough. You can't. But He can. And your only hope is to be obedient and dependent. That's it. Listen, how many of you even know where you put your whole armor this morning? You can't find it. It's hard to round up all the pieces. But God can. He can supply everything you need to put on the whole armor of God. Now listen, it says to put on. That's an action word. That means you've got to do something. We'll get to that in a minute. No, we'll get to that now. Put on the whole armor of God. Put that, that, that requires something out of you, right? That's a physical action. If I, if I tell you I'm going to put on my shirt, that's a physical action. I have to do something. Put on the whole armor of God requires something of you. Not in and of yourself. You've still got to have that dependence and that obedience and you've still got to have that connection. You've still got to be relying on His strength because in and of yourself you can't do it. If you could, what Christ did on the church on the cross is in vain. If you can do it, you can't do it. You don't have the ability. You don't have the strength. But be strong in the Lord. Rely on His strength and put on. Look at, the, look at the order. This thing isn't just thrown together and thrown out there. It's, it's in the order it's in for a reason. This all has purpose. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. Put on. We're going to get to at the end of this what your actions are. But you have to know and understand this isn't about... Being dependent doesn't mean that you sit on the couch at the house and wait on God to do it. Because it requires action out of you too. For you to be strong in the Lord doesn't mean to sit on the couch and go, Oh Lord, bless me. It doesn't work that way. This isn't a, this isn't a laziness. This, this, is a, this is a get up and get going. But understand, the only reason you can get up is by the strength of the Lord. The only reason you can go is by the strength of the Lord. The only reason you do have is because of the grace of God. Right? And you can't lose focus of that. Listen, obedience and dependence. You've got to have them. You've got to be completely obedient and completely dependent on God. He never wants you to get to a place where you've grown so far that you don't need Him anymore. If you think you're to that place, you are in for a rude awakening. It's going to hurt bad. It's going to hurt a lot of people. You don't get independent from God. This is all about you constantly being dependent on Him and being obedient to Him. And you even have to be dependent on Him in order to be obedient. It's only by His grace that you can. It's a complete sovereignty, not a partial sovereignty. According to Scripture, none are good. You, you don't have the ability to please God. According to Scripture, without faith, it's impossible. So who decides how much faith you have? It's by the grace of God. You see this, you see this catch-22 we're in? You see how this works? The only way any of this stuff that we've been talking about in Ephesians or any of the Scriptures where you're instructed to behave a certain way, the only way it's possible is in the strength of the Lord. Your dependence on Him. That's the only way it's possible. If you separate yourself from God, you can't do godly things. That's just common sense. All of these things that are instructed of us are referred to as, a lot. one section is referred to as fruits of the Spirit. Not fruits of Nick, not fruits of flesh, not fruits of what's natural to me. Not fruits of my default settings. They're spiritual things. And there's only one source of them. You in and of yourself do not have the ability to be kind. You can do a kind act from time to time. But overall you are not kind. You are mean. People are mean. Flesh is mean. If you don't believe that, just turn on the news about 15 minutes and you'll be done and I'll be right. 
people are mean. That's what's natural to us. The only difference in them and me is I've decided to try to overcome that meanness in me. Listen, I can start right now telling you stories. My kid brother's here today. He'll, he'll, he'll amen everything I can tell you about the meanness he and I did. We had a friend of ours. He told this story yesterday. We had a friend of ours that I was... I didn't want to be mean. This is just who I was. This is apart from Christ. We had a friend of ours that we constantly picked on. Constantly. I don't know why he came around, but he did. He wasn't very smart, evidently. Wayne B. had a pond on a farm not far from our house out on Minor Hill Highway. We would ride our bicycles down to Richland Creek, catch fish, take them to that pond and put them in his pond so we could catch them again some other day. That was our fishing hole. You could literally cast across it. You had to be careful. You'd hit one another like crossfire from fishing poles. It's how small it was. But we loved it. We was 12, 13 years old, something like that, bicycles packed up with fishing poles and tackle boxes, and we thought we were somebody. And this one friend would come down there, and we'd just pick on him and pick on him, and I told him, I'm going to throw you in that pond. No, don't throw me in the pond. And he started crying and took off home. Well, on his road home, he come across Thomas, who was coming down there to meet us, and he said, what's wrong with you crying and carrying on? He said, your brother's going to throw me in the pond. He said, he ain't going to throw you in the pond. Come on. Thomas come down through there and got there, and you know what happened? Me and Thomas throwed him in the pond. <laughs> we were mean. We were just naturally mean, and every single one of you in your flesh is naturally mean. You don't have it in you to be kind or gentle or none of that stuff. That same kid I throwed out of a tree one time, about 22 foot up. Fortunately for him, there was a trampoline, so you know. We were mean. I was mean. He was mean. You are mean. You have been mean. In and of yourself, you can't be kind. Right? None of us can. We're naturally mean people. The ones who are not acting on that have made a decision and a choice to not act on flesh, to, but to act on the Spirit and allow the Spirit to guide us in our actions. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, meaning you don't get it any other place. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, meaning you don't get it any other place. You can't live out what God has called you to live out in and of yourself. It's not possible. You have to be reliant and dependent wholly and solely on God. You're not righteous in and of yourself. You can't be holy in and of yourself. But connected to the Father, you can be any of those things. Not because of who you are, because of who He is. Listen, I'm not who I am today. We don't do marriage counseling because we've perfected marriage. <laughs> it's just simple obedience. He called us to do it and we said, okay. It's not because we're not even good at it. I'll just tell you at marriage. Some days marriage is rough at my house. But that's because I'm out of focus. That's because she's out of focus. We can be reminded if you'll just focus, anything's possible. Right? According to Scripture, all things are possible through Christ, not through you, not through me, not through Paul, through Christ. Through Christ and Christ alone. He is enough, more than enough. Keep going with me. We might accidentally get through this today. Before one, We're going to get through, I meant before 1 o'clock. <laughs> Some of y'all just got mad. Y'all won't even laugh. ha, ha, ha. They said you can tell how long the preacher's going to be by how much, how many amens and how much water he has. So we're about we're one and a half right now. So it took half to get this far. Y'all do the math. There's a math teacher over here and one over here. They can help you with that. <laughs> See, I'm listening too. You know that you. <laughs> Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. He's tricky. He's tricky. You know, we, 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 we have this picture in our mind that the devil is this red-headed dude, or I won't say red-headed because some of you are. This little red guy with horns and the, and the pitchfork. <laughs> Sorry, sister. With the horns and the... And the and if we could see that obvious image, we would resist the devil, right? 
If, if we were walking down the street and as Christians and we seen this figure of this red flaming guy with the pointy tail, the horns, and the pitchfork, we'd go, ooh, that's the devil, I'm going the other way, and I ain't going to listen to nothing he's got to say, right? Wouldn't we? But the truth of the, ma- <laughs> the, truth of the matter is, that's not what he looks like. He's deceiving, and he's cunning, and he's slick, and he's sly. And sometimes he don't even have that voice you expect him to have. Because if you heard his voice, you'd recognize that. And, and you, you'd resist, right? And you, you, but listen to me. He's so cunning that in and of yourself, you don't even recognize who he is. You don't, you don't, even, re, you don't even recognize the warning signs. You don't even see that it's the devil. We all get this image and we have these little cartoon figures sitting on our shoulder and, and this is the good guy and this is the bad guy and he tells me this way and I'm able to look over here and see which one's talking and know what to do. That's not how it works. And in and of yourself, you can't discern and you can't decipher and you go to default mode and default is flesh and flesh is evil. And that's where you go and that's where I go when we lose focus and we get disconnected. Apart from God, you can't do nothing right. Connected to God, all things are possible. Right? Right? That's where we have to be. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. So you can stand against the schemes of the devil. So you can recognize it. So you can understand that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You do not have an enemy wearing flesh. You only as a Christian have one enemy. And when you begin to see and understand that everything you face in this world is a spiritual battle, then you begin to understand that you don't have but one enemy. And he don't wear flesh. There are people... Just like God has people working for the kingdom, there are people that work for the enemy. But your actual enemy is at the root of every evil act. And that's Satan himself. When you begin to understand, even in this life present today, everything you face is a spiritual battle. Then you'll start to fight the battle with spiritual tools. Then you'll start to win some battles here and there. As long as you fight spiritual battle with fleshly tools, you're going to lose every time. You're never going to win. You're going to be over. You cannot fight spiritual battles with carnal tools and expect to win. It won't work. Can't do it. Oh, you may whoop somebody. You may walk away a winner. They, they all bloodied up and you feel good and got your chest bowed out. You ain't won nothing. You ain't done nothing. You've still got a battle ahead. The same battle. All you've done is made an idiot out of yourself. You can't win spiritual battles with carnal tools. It won't work. You have a whole slew. As a Christian, if you have been called, you have a slew of spiritual weapons. You just got to learn to use them. Most of them, most of them, are defensive weapons. That says speaks volumes. The only offensive weapon you have. Let's look and see. Look here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Sometimes you fought so much, all you can do is stand. That's okay. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Stand, therefore. If all you can do is stand, stand. Get up. Don't sit down. Don't lay down. Don't, Don't let them walk over you. Stand. And stand firm. 
This world that we live in today would be a much different place if real Christians really stood. We wouldn't be battling against mega churches teaching the prosperity gospel. See, that's church against church. That shouldn't even be. We wouldn't have to address the, all the issues that are inside the church. We could just get busy helping the world understand what we have and, and, and spreading that gospel. But see, Christians don't stand. And we certainly don't stand firm near often enough. We lay down. We roll over. We don't want any confrontation. We don't want any. We want to just come in and say amen about three times and maybe get my hand up for a song, go back to the house, and that's my whole religion for all week long until next Sunday. That's not Christianity. There's nothing about that is the gospel. Nothing. Nothing. It, it, the, the gospel, the Christianity is a lifestyle. It is a way of life. It's not about coming in here and getting connected to God so I can get my worship on. It's about having a relationship with my Maker through His Son, Jesus Christ, and an indwelling Holy Spirit so that I can listen to Him and He can help me to, guide, to, help to guide me through this life so that I can be a light in somebody else's darkness. The goal isn't to be at church. Although that's necessary, and it's needed, and according to Scripture, it's a must. But that's not the end. You come here to get equipped so you can go out there. You come in here to get your fan flames so you can start another fire next week. Right? That's what it's for. Religion isn't about a gathering. It's part of it, but it's not the whole story. This gospel that we're trying to spread is all about one and one alone. And He don't wear flesh. And when we can begin to strip away all this other stuff and see and understand that our dependence and our obedience to God is most important and that if we want to be able to even stand, we've got to be connected to Him. It ain't about your strength and my strength and how long I've been doing this or how many times you read the Bible or none of that. None of that matters. It don't matter. If you're not living it, it don't make no difference how much of it you've heard about. It don't matter how many trips you've made to church this week if you ain't applying nothing you've learned. It don't matter. You've got to get down to the root of this thing and understand separate from God, you can't do nothing right. And your default is not God. Your default is flesh. And your flesh is mean. Mean to the core. Evil. Evil. And the reason your flesh keeps winning over you is because your spirit is weak. You ain't fed him. You ain't exercised him. You've kept him locked up, waiting for Sunday. You've got to be picky what you feed your spirit. He's a picky eater. He only eats out of this. He only eats the, the godly stuff that you take in. And one hour a Sunday, I ain't going to get it. You're taking in more world than that. You're taking in more flesh than that. Amen? Go turn the TV on. You ain't even got to intentionally look at something ugly or something nasty or something whatever. You just got. You can watch Andy Griffith. If you sit there through the commercials, your flesh got fed. That's the truth. So you got to put forth the effort to overcome that by feeding your spirit. Listen to this. L listen to this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore. That word came up a lot right there in a short amount of time. Must be important just saying. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of... Do you, do you know where your breastplate of righteousness is this morning? I'd say 90% of Christians have no idea what he's talking about. They ain't seen righteousness in so long. You've got, to, you've got to understand these things. You've heard this taught 40 times. You ought to know it by now. 
Familiarize yourself with this scripture. Familiarize yourself with these pieces. Look at this. We've, so far we've seen um, the belt and we've seen the breastplate. And the shoes of your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, no matter what you're doing, if you forget everything else, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. If you leave everything else laying behind this morning and you ain't got time to put on your shoes and you can't get your belt to buckle right, you can't find your breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness, bare minimum, grab your shield of faith. Bare minimum, grab your shield of faith. You got to know where your faith's at. You got to know why, why would Paul say that? Why would he say these other things aren't important? He didn't say the other things aren't important. He didn't say that at all. He did not say that. What he said was, let's read it again. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. At very least, grab up your shield of faith. Why? Why is the shield of faith so important? With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. If you're walking in faith, if you're living in faith, Remember, it's impossible to please God without faith, right? So if you're trying to live a life that causes God to be pleased with you, you're going to have your faith intact. And with your faith, you can extinguish the fiery darts of the devil. You can extinguish, you can catch them, you can hide behind your faith. But listen to me, if you know anything about a shield and you've ever looked at a, a suit of armor and you've ever seen the, the movies or the shows or whatever about the times when that stuff was real, there was different kinds of shields, there was different kinds of armor, there was different kinds of helmets, and some of it was effective and some of it wasn't. The most effective shields they had was heavy to carry. You hear me? The most effective shields that they had was heavy to carry. As a matter of fact, some of them were so heavy, other people carried them. How heavy is your faith this morning? If you say able to get up and stick it in your pocket on the way out, it ain't going to quench many darts. It's got to be big. You've got to grow your faith. You've got to concentrate on your faith. And if you've got your faith and it becomes big enough, if you're a big guy like me, you've got to have a big shield. Right? And the bigger target you are, you've got to have a bigger shield, right? Don't walk around here with your little faith that goes in your pocket when you don't want it the rest of the week. That ain't what he's talking about. He said a shield of faith and, and, and above all else, no matter where you're going, take it with you. Because it can extinguish. It can ext your faith can extinguish the fiery dark. You can fight off the devil with just your faith if you have to. You don't want to. That ain't the perfect scenario, but maybe you can survive and the next time you'll be better prepared. Right? You gotta have your faith in order because you can't hide behind something. If you big like me, this ain't enough. That don't cover enough. I can't, I can't see you. Right? And some of you's walking through this world with a little bitty shield of faith, hoping it's enough, and it's not. And it's why the attacks are so vigorous and why it hurts so bad. And, why, and I'm not telling you as a Christian you shouldn't have uh, sufferings. I'm not telling you as a Christian it won't be hard. I'm not telling you that. It stinks most days. It hurts most days. But at least if your faith's big, you can hide behind it and get a little breath before you have to carry on to the next one. <clears throat> And verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The only offensive weapon in the whole armor of God is your sword. And you know what most Christians are most unfamiliar with? Their sword. They don't want to talk to you about Scripture. You know why? They don't know it. They don't know it. You know why the number one recruiting ground for Jehovah's Witnesses is the Baptist church? Because we don't know the Scriptures. We know just enough that they can get theirs close enough that they'll go, hey, that's the same thing Grandma used to say. And you go right with them. And it's all false teaching. 
and you just went right in there to it. Your only offensive weapon, the only thing you got to strike back with is the Word of God and you don't know it. I'd be scared to go into battle too if I was you. That's the truth. That's the truth. I'd be scared too. I wouldn't say nothing to them either because they're going to make a fool out of you. And it's going to come to light that the only, only person to blame is you. Not me. It's not my fault you don't know it. It's not my fault you're not familiar with your weapon. It's not my problem. It's on you. I don't blame you. I wouldn't talk to them either. Because they will tear you to shreds. Because your only offensive weapon is laying over there with rust on it. Because you don't use it. You should be ashamed. You should want to crawl down under the pew. I would too. The whole, every key that you have to living a life that's pleasing to God is in there. Our desire for Him alone, our desire to please Him alone should be enough to push us to want it. Not read it to get through with it. Don't come tell me, oh, I've read my Bible 58 times. Well, I don't care. How, many, how much of it are you living? How much of it are you applying? How much of it are you putting to practice in your daily life? If you don't read but six pages in your whole life, but you live out those six pages, that's better than reading the whole thing and putting none of it into practice. Amen? And now it's it's not that you can't it's not that you, that it ain't noble that you've I'm I'm glad you've read it that's good now start living it start putting it into practice start knowing it and understanding it it's your only offensive weapon scripture praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. How is it possible for me to walk worthy of my call? Time alone with God in His Bible, in His Word, and in prayer. That's it. That, that's the keys to you being able to do any of this. You've got to understand that separate from God, none of this is possible. And your only connections to God is His Word and your prayer life. They shouldn't be the two weakest parts of our walk. <laughs> they shouldn't be. Because those two things are dependent on self. It's up to me to have my prayer life in order. It's up to me to have my study time in order. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to me. And I should desire it to be at its peak because this is my key to being able to be obedient and dependent. Then people can't come along and tell you that if you'll become a Christian, you'll be rich and happy and you fall for it. There's no promise of happiness in God's Word nowhere. It's not there. It don't exist. There's no promise that when you become a Christian, you won't have to worry about things ever no more again. That's not true. There's, there's no, there's no pro prosperity in this gospel. It don't, it's not there. There's nothing that tells me that because I serve God, I'm not going to suffer. As a matter of fact, that's exactly the opposite of what it says. I'm told I will suffer. I'm told there will be tribulations. I'm told it's going to be tough. I'm told that the only way I'm going to survive is to be connected to Him. So how does this other garbage get out there and people start... I can tell you why they believe it. Because <laughs> it sounds a lot better than what I just told you. That's why they like it. Because I'd much rather have Kevin stand up here and tell me suffering don't happen to Christians as long as you'll pay your tithes. I couldn't get in here quick enough to give him my money. Right? Versus the truth that he tells us and talks about all the sufferings and, and, and how that that suffering is to glorify God and no matter how bad it hurts, you can't lose your faith and sometimes it's going to get so hard all you can do is stand. That don't sound fun to me. So I can see why people take the other route but let me assure you of something. The other route is not true. It's just not true. It don't exist. It's made up. It's make-believe. 
It's the same as once upon a time and happily ever after. It's somebody's imagination. It's not true. This has got to be enough. The fact that Christ is who He says He is, my hope is in Him, and my only relationship is the one I have with my Creator through His Son. If I can get those two things, that obedience and, and, and dependence, if I can get that down pat, I promise you everything else will be where it's supposed to be. And I won't have all of this misconstrued things in my mind leading me astray. It won't be there because I'll be able to fight it off. Listen to me. Let's go. Praying at all times, your prayer life and your study life are the keys to staying connected to God and being able to walk worthy of your call. Um, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. While you're at it, Paul says, pray for all the saints, not just yourself. Pray that everybody else will have this same strength and be able to stand and put on the whole armor. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. Look, and he goes on to say, and also for me. Paul says, while you're praying for one another, pray for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Pray that God will continue to give me the courage and the strength and the words to proclaim His gospel. While you're on your knees, throw one up for me. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, it's easy to walk through that last part, and I know I'm, I'm getting close to my mark here. I am an ambassador in chains. Where is Paul when he wrote this letter? He's in prison. I want you to go back through Ephesians and try to recall and remember some of the things we've talked about and imagine that the man who wrote it is tied to the wall in a prison. Because to me, it shows me how sold out Paul is to it that he can say the things he's saying while chained to the wall in a prison. In a prison. Why was he in prison? For the gospel. And what's he doing in prison? The gospel. Do you see how important it is to this man? So why do we take it so lightly? Why do we take it so lightly? We don't take it serious. We don't believe it's true. We don't believe it. One of two things. We either don't believe it or we don't care. That's, that's, that's the truth. We either don't believe it or we don't care. Because if we believed it and if we cared, we would be a little more serious about the gospel. We would be more serious about our prayer time. We would be more serious about our study time. We would be more serious about our knowledge of, of our only offensive weapon. We would be more serious about our faith and growing it so it becomes a shield big enough to fight. We would know, not be able to be misled if we believed it and if we cared. One or the other. Either you don't believe it or you don't care. And that's made obvious by the lives that we live, not the words that we say. You can tell me what you want to, but go live it. Show me. Montana comes all the time. Now, I'll tell you this story, and I'm going to quit. When Montana first came to our house three years ago, <clears throat> we were putting her to bed one night, and I said, I love you, Montana. She said, you too. Well, that ain't going to work. So the next night, I said, good night, Montana. I love you. You too. What am I going to do about this? How, how am I going to get her to understand that this is a real thing? It's not just words we're bouncing off of one another. So the next night, I go in there, and I didn't say anything. I got ready to walk out, and she said, Good night, and I said, You too, and walked out the door. And she said, Ho, 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 you can't say that. I said, What do you mean I can't say that? She said, I told you good night. You have to say good night too. I said, Okay, I tell you I love you, and what do you say? So I said, let's try this again. And I said, good night, Montana. I love you. She said, good night. I love you too. And I thought, yes, nailed it. 
about six months later, every time she came into a room, every time she left a room, if she was sitting on the couch beside me, just random conversation. I love you, Papa. I love you too, baby. I love you, Papa. I love you too, baby. Come in the room. Hi, Papa. I love you. I love you. I'm going, okay, this has gone too far. This is getting on my nerves. <laughs> so now, God, I, I hear you, God. I got what you, I, I get it, I get it, but let, show me how. So I started, when she would say, I love you, Papa, I'd say, how can you show me? I love you, Papa. Don't tell me again until you've showed me. Prove it. Walk it. Live it. And I, and I, I praise God by the grace of God, not because of the daddy I am or the daughter she is or the mama Amanda is. By the grace of God, she's figured out that it's more important to show her love to you than to tell you that she loves you. I wish I could get every one of you to understand that with your relationship with God. Stop telling Him and show Him. Do you think He sent us this Word so we could memorize it and have studies on it and nobody do it? Do you think He just wants us to have Awana's classes for everybody? And just What if I told Montana, this is a Francis Chan story, I think. What if I told Montana, go, to your, go clean your room? And I, it probably would be a good command for when we get home. Clean your room. And she comes back out of her room and goes, I did it. I studied what you said. I memorized what you said. I've got friends coming over this week and we're going to have a class on what you said. And I go, so how's the room? And she goes, oh, I didn't do it. <laughs> but that's what you and I do with God. That's what we do with God. We, we learn His Word, we memorize His Word, we read His Word, we study it, we have small groups, we have... Who's doing it? <laughs> Just do it. Obedience and dependence, that's all He's asking. Obedience and dependence. Listen to me. If you have never heard that call, if you have never heard God call you out of darkness and into the light, today's the day to focus your hearing on Him. If you've been called, you need to walk worthy of your call. And you can't do it. You're not capable in and of yourself to walk worthy of your call. You have to be connected. Direct line connected with your Maker. That's the only way it's possible. Hey, I encourage you this morning to respond to whatever God has spoke to you in whatever means He said do it. Whether it's come to this altar and pray, whether it's stand where you are and pray, I don't, get, I don't care. It's not none of my business. I'm just encouraging you to respond the way God said for you to respond.